Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which you can find at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash. And on the turntable this week, we've got Neon Nights by Danny Manel. Oh, what a treat. Uh, a, a, a sort of vintage treat, almost. This album is 16 years old, can you believe? It I think part of the reason why it doesn't feel like that is this is her second most recent album, isn't it? It it actually is, thinking about it. And I think probably it was her most successful album. Definitely, yeah. And she's never bettered it, and she hadn't done anything as big up until that point. No. It's also, from a fan point of view and a critical point of view, her best loved album. Her most cohesive collection, I oh, think. Oh, we do love that word, don't we? It's become the new juxtaposition. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a fantastic time for her. I think I think the only time that felt like a more commercially successful time for Danny Minogue was actually Danny Minogue, the the judge on The X Factor in the UK. Uh, she had a great run. She was done for four years, I think, in the end, wasn't she? Four or five years, something yeah. like that, yeah. Almost. It's been almost ten years since she was a judge, which, you know... Where does that time go? I think because the X Factor's on every year now. Although maybe not after this year, we'll see. And I'm sure she won't mind me saying this, but she has obviously been in the shadow of her older, more successful sister for much of her career. She might manage to say that, but it's probably partly true. Uh, we're going to talk about Neon Knights in detail today, so we're really going to get into every track on the album. The album itself... Produced by, largely, a familiar name, Sir Ian Masterson. Yes. Uh, Corpion Blackcell, uh, Nemo and Terry Ronald. And we'll talk about who's involved in what as we go further into it, because some some big names are collaborating. Definitely, yeah, the producers and the songwriters as well. It's definitely one of those albums that we've picked on, not picked on, we're not bullies, but picked up on a few times where... It's built of a real collection of songwriters and producers, and um, but comes together to create something quite special. And very special indeed. Um, so, let's get going. And what I really like about how we're going to start this album is Danny kicks things off just how we kick off the podcast, with a little bit of needle. So, um, Side one, track one. We're going to put the needle on it. That was but I need a on it. <laughs> Please pass the pie. <laughs> Dan, this is leaves you in no illusion. This is some sophisticated dance pop that we're into here. I could not have said that better. It really does feel like too sophisticated almost to be called pop music. It feels very polished. It feels very uh, sort of This track is so polished. I almost fell over when I was uh, skidding across it. Skidding across like a child at a disco. If I was going to compare it to a Kylie era, I'm not going to, I don't think throughout this episode we should be comparing it to Kylie, she's probably sick of that. Um, But it's got that real kind of, and I can't get away from the word, sophisticated sound of 
Body Language by Kylie with the singles Slow and Red Blooded Woman. Felt like something, a lot of genres coming together, a bit of new soul, a little bit of disco there as well. Definitely some electronic things going on. And, and the Kylie thing isn't so much of a surprise because one of the co-writers on this one was our, an old friend of the podcast, Karen Paul. Yes, we've mentioned her a few times actually. And always attached to a great pop song. Yes. So yeah, she wrote this alongside Enrique Corpi and Matthias Johansson or Johansson. Either way, we've also mentioned those two that work with Safe Alice Bexter and the like. So it feels like we're in good hands here. We're in safe dance pop hands. Uh, I must mention how successful this album was. Um, it wasn't a number one album, but it did. It got to number eight in the UK, uh, uh, certified gold. Uh, but it was very well reviewed and critically, um, the critics loved it. And my favourite quote from Mike Woss of Idolator, he says, and I completely agree with this, it's one thing to create an excellent three and a half minute dance pop song, but another to sustain the appeal over an entire album. Kylie managed it with Fever. Madonna followed suit on Confessions of a Dance Floor, on a dance floor. Um, not, it's not like Confessions of a Window Cleaner, those films. <laughs> uh, Danny's contribution to the genre is every bit as good as those classics. 100% agree. Yeah, and I don't think she ever has and perhaps never will get that sort of um, recognition from the rest of the pop world. It's fantastic that that reviewer said so. And this song got to number seven, which was her first top ten in the UK since All I Want to Do in 1997. Oh, that was good, wasn't it? Great time. Uh, a very different sound. Different. She was blonde back then, wasn't she? So... Okay, let's jog on now. Uh, track number two uh, is Creep. Track to Creep. Um, I love the lo-fi kind of uh, electronic sound there. Definitely. It kind of feels like, well, this is exactly the same team as Put the Needle on it, and you can tell, but also they kind of just reined it in a little bit. I think Put the Needle on it was really for the dance floor and Creep, mm, maybe for the bedroom. Oh, dear. Draw a curtain over that as well as a veil. Oh, um, very well covered up. And, and I think these first two tracks, and this album actually, really made people sit up and... Take a fresh look at Danny Minogue. Yeah, I definitely agree. When she first came out, there was This Is It and the real kind of like cheesy kicking a ball around on the beach kind of thing. Always remind me of like an advert for a women's uh, monthly applicational product. I think you're quite right. And then there was the era with um, Girl, I think the album's called, wasn't it? With um, All I Want to Do. Fantastic stuff. Some Xenomania stuff on there. Mm, am I right thinking? Early stuff from them, yeah. But so the thing. Disremembrance. Ah. I don't, well, further listing coming up. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like she's always kind of having to come back and reassert herself. And again, maybe it's the sister thing. But Creep is a fantastic song, I have to say. It's a fantastic, I love it when the second track isn't the second single, it's a brand new song. So this, for me, having revisited this album, well, I have to put my hands up, I haven't listened to this album in full until we've been researching it. It's a fantastic song. It's The electronics quite chunky, I think, in this one. And then you've got those kind of whirls and swirls of electronics kind of weaving their way throughout it. I also really like how the melody kind of 
when it begins, it doesn't. You don't quite know where it's going, and that's okay. It's fine. It's playful. Track three now, and this is I begin to wonder. I begin to wonder, I have to say, one of my favourite ever Danny Minogue songs. Yeah, I think this would be, I'm sure there is a Greatest Hits, I've not seen the, the line-up on there, but I think this probably could be the opening track on a Greatest Hits. Really sets the scene. Wonderful sound, again, very sophisticated dance pop music. Um, lots of lovely layers in there as well, but uh, I remember I was massively into like music channels like The Box and things when this came on. Very memorable video this was. She gets up to all sorts. So I remember she cut her hair off in this video and then she had lots of fun with a hand dryer towards the end. Oh, really? Yes. A, a, a Dyson blade, perhaps? Uh, it was before. It was, this was 2003, 2004. Of course it was, yeah. yeah be- way before all that sort of thing. Silly me. Um, this... I think she was claw- crawling through some air vents as well in there. Oh, so uh... Air played a, quite a big part in the video, a theme running throughout it. Mm. A different writing and production team on this one, the producer was uh, Jean-Claude Aids. Aids? Aids. He's uh, an Italian electronic producer and hasn't really played a big part in, in pop music. This was a bit of a exception for him. Well, he's normally a dance producer and go, used, normally goes under the name of JCA. Yes. Um, and I believe um, Danny's record company played this to Danny. She loved it and went to him to ask him if they could transform it into a pop song. That's great. Uh, and Ian Masterson um, on writing duties, or co-writing duties on this one. So he gave it that sort of spit and polish to get it up to shape for the pop charts. Yes. And obviously we've known about him doing a lot of work with Bananarama. Uh, Bananarama. Yeah. And you can you can hear that, can't you? It's it's a little bit, I'd say actually even more sophisticated than a Bananarama track. With no offence to them. I'm sure the girls wouldn't mind me saying that either. I think they would mind a little bit. Oh. This song did very well in the charts, though, didn't it? I mean, it was, it's a great catchy pop song, isn't it? I, I just almost feel a little bit for it, because this this got to number two, um, held off the top spot by, do you know? No, I was just going to say, I'm sure you've done the research. Of course I have, I'm a true professional. Would you like to hesitate a guess? No. It was Beautiful by Christina Aguilera. Oh, wow. So, Sign of the time, yeah. Yeah, big song, and uh, is it a better song? I'm not at liberty to say. This is... Danny's highest UK chart position to date, I should say. Well deserved, actually, for this one. Yeah. Have to add on to this before we move on. There was a brilliant. Um, this was around the period that Danny got into mashing up songs as well. So this was there was a uh, a remix mashup, which was I begin to wonder slash mashed up with um, spin me right you, round. You spin me. You round. spin me round. Like a record. Like a record. I'm dead um, or alive. By Dead Alive, and it was called Begin to Spin Me Round, and that was fantastic. And fun. that then went onto the video, the box and all that kind of thing, didn't it? I remember seeing as it As a there. remix. Yes. As a remix video as well. Yeah, and it was actually released as a single, but didn't do as well. Um, but it did get to the dizzying heights of number 37 in Germany. Again, based on that feedback from a couple of weeks ago, we won't continue to... Dwell on... On the Germans. On the German performance. Uh, in the charts. 
I think we mentioned it once. We, we oh, we've done that joke once. I think we got away with it, and we probably shouldn't dwell on it. Time to move on now. Uh, track number four. Hey, so what? Hey, so what there? And what I love about this, and I think it's a continuing theme throughout the album, it's every track individually is so well produced. It's just the complete quality of the production throughout these. It's, um, you know, there's lots of different contributors, lots of different producers, but it's, it feels like a lot of great quality. Jules and Stone produced this track. Yeah. Very well regarded, very well known pop producers. We've talked previously about all the people they've worked with. We have, as well as Hannah Robinson, who co-wrote this one with them. Uh, and we spoke a lot about her work with Rachel Stevens, um, particularly some girls. But we don't hear a lot from Hannah at the minute, do we? No, Hannah. Hello. Are you okay, hon? You had a fall. <laughs> um, this, for me, is it's, it's, it's great. It's definitely an album track. This is um, also... The first track that Danny hasn't played, had a hand in co-writing, so maybe that's part of it. That's the, that's the secret ingredient, or not so secret ingredient, that's missing. Mm. Okay, so we move swiftly on then. Well, let's do it. Uh, track number five now, and uh, this is For the Record. Just for the record. really blocky beats especially as she's singing you 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 it's the the the, the electronic drums are on the beat uh, it had a little kind of almost a sort of 90s dance r&b tinge yes to it as well. i think it, it does feel like one of the more lightweight maybe a little bit more of the whimsical tracks on the album and all parts of it because again as we're seeing throughout here there's so many layers to a lot of these songs uh, particularly like with a lot of the electronics and the synths, and this one felt a little bit like it could be a, a Calvin Harris production to me. Oh, really? Mm. Maybe a more older Calvin Def- Harris. Yeah, old school Calvin Harris, yeah. Now, listening to this album's got me thinking, actually, Will. Have you ever seen Danny Live? Yes, I probably have, but I was probably quite drunk at the time. Oh, where was it? Heaven? Well, before Heaven, it was more at the Astoria oh. on a Saturday night. Wet and windy evening. Well, it might have. It might have been. It was definitely wet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, no, I was definitely well lubed. No, I was definitely. I definitely had a few to drink. I haven't seen it myself. I'm hoping one year at least it might pop up in the Glastonbury Legend slot. <laughs> um, so, should we move on to the next one? Let's do it. So we're on to track number six now, and this is mighty fine. <laughs>
mighty fine. And was it? It's a fantastic time to talk about the album artwork. Oh, quite early. Well, I just want to get out of the way because we've got some good good tracks coming up. Okay. So the album artwork, a very arty photo of mm. Danny Minogue. Looks like she's just got in from a night out and she's had a fall on the floor. And yeah. now she can't get up again. Her heels have come off. She's probably like, let's get me a glass of water. Yeah. You can see almost in the background a sort of a bit of pita bread and chips just scattered. Um, no. Lovely. It's just, it's just some, so simple sometimes. A really great photo. I would just like to go back to the track just a little, if I may. Yes, because okay. I actually do quite like this one. It's, it's production-wise, it still does feel very much like this kind of new disco sound we've got going throughout. But lyrically... Uh, lyrically lyrically it's quite well this phrase is about is it, is it zippity day she's singing it's very almost sort of song of the south um, and that's in part due to co-writer and producer um, Jill Kang who went on to work with Amy Winehouse and more reggae based artists and I think you can ha- hear a bit more of that sort of a, a, just a tinge of a reggae sound in that one. Oh, good observation You've got an ear for genre, haven't you? Well, yes. <laughs> not wanting to blow one's own trumpet? No, definitely not. Track number seven, though. This is On The Loop. This the loop there oh I thought you said on the loo no you didn't no I didn't um, I really like that one it reminds me a lot of um, State of Mind by Holly Valance yes particularly towards the end when it breaks down and that distortion absolutely love the production of this one and the production comes from Nemo or maybe it's Nimo it's an, uh, a band from France um, and you and I probably should give these a bit more of a listen because their influences include David Bowie, Blondie and New Order. A few acts that we've got a casual interest in. More than, yes. And I think actually production-wise in this one as I was listening, it does feel a little bit more, just something about the detail in the production feels a bit more like a band effort than you know just a one electronic producer. Well, and it is, they are a band. Yes. So you're quite right. And let's maybe put them on our long list. I don't think there's too much there for that band, though. Right, I'll tell you what then. Stuff that idea. <laughs> Not the last we've heard of them on this album either, actually. No. Um, I love just... I think our friend is back in uh, in the circulation today. Who's that? Cynthia's back. Really? Yeah. Cynthia Sounds. Cynthia Sounds is in town. I mean, Cynthia... <laughs> Some some might say she's the third Minogue sister. So track eight now, and this one is Push. I 
love, love, love the sound this album has. It's just... It's so... For dance music that's also pop music, or pop music that's also dance music, it's so not repetitive and generic. And I think sometimes people can be a little bit snobby about pop music, or dance music even, for certain artists to label them as all the songs sound the same. Yeah, definitely. And and you're right, every song does have its own individual qualities on here. This one, again, I'm mentioning the end of a track, as I did earlier, but uh, that little phone clip, that little phone sound bite. So many great songs have a phone sound bite in them, don't they? Hanging on the telephone. Uh, there's an All Saints one that I can't think of right now, but they're... Um, Booty little... Call. Booty Call, yes, that's it, yes. I was also thinking of when Nicole Appleton was with Robbie Williams, she did a, like an Ants phone sample on one of his songs from his second album, I think. I love the lo-fi sound of this track as well. That it's not always... A dance song doesn't always have to be balls out of the bag, pumping all the way through. Balls out of the bag? Sorry, it's a bit vulgar, isn't it? Yeah, uh, right. Uh, where do I get these phrases? <laughs> I don't know. I don't... I think I wish to know. I'd also like to pick up on the fact that Terry Ronald is one of the co-writers of this one. He's not a name we've mentioned before. But he's quite a significant name in the Minone world. Certainly in the Minone world. And also, I mean, I'll, let me read you this list and you'll you'll understand why I'm reading you this list of people he's worked with. Well, he's, he's, he's a man of many talents, but as a songwriter and producer, he's worked with Danny Minone, Kylie Minone, as we mentioned before, Sophie Lispector, Girls Aloud, Bananarama, and also S Club Juniors, who have featured on the podcast before. Yeah, we really do get round them, don't we? Um, one week we're talking about Aha! Aha! <laughs> I'd never say Aha now without saying that. Should we move on? I think we should. We're on to track number 10 now, and this is Mystified. favourites that one off this album is it really yeah I love how it's a little bit more of a traditional pop song but I love the kind of fade in and again not an expert in any of the noises but like everything that's going on in the background yeah there's the layers in there yeah I, I agree it does feel a little bit more on the pop kind of side of things uh, I think that chorus that does it for me that line of um, heard it on the grapevine and all that kind of thing. It does feel a little bit more, in a slightly different manner of production, it could have featured on an earlier album of hers in some capacity. It got me thinking, because that song just made me realise, actually, a lot of this album sounds quite timeless. It doesn't feel like a 16-year-old album. And then I got thinking, well, what is a 16-year-old album? So I had a quick look at other albums released this year. Would you like to hear some of them and see if, for me, when I did this, it kind of just took me back to another time? Yes, please. So we've got Permission to Land by The Darkness, Elephant by the White Stripes, American Life by Madonna, Boy in the Corner by Dizzy Rascal, Dangerously in Love by Beyonce, Speaker Box, The Love Below by Outkast, uh, Fallen by Evanescence, Elephant by the Black Eyed Peas, Life for Rent by Dido. Is, is it taking you back, all of this? It's funny trying just placing this album back in amongst those those other albums as well. Next that Beyonce album was absolutely massive. Yeah. Um, darkness were big then as well huge, and you know look they? what happened to them yeah but it just it just yeah made me realize this was this was the year when i began my last year in education 
quite a significant, quite a moment for you then. Yeah, and all of these, all of these songs soundtrack that. Sadly, and you were probably thinking along the lines of the title of this next track. Um, so this is track number ten. Uh, don't want to lose this feeling. Feeling that was the third single from the album, if I'm not mistaken. It was correct. Uh, another one of my favourites. Um, it really makes me want to go to a Balearic island somewhere. Yeah, I love that. It really has a sun-kissed feeling to it. Like you're in, I beat the old town in Ibiza or somewhere. Yeah, for me, I think actually, I, I'm not saying you're wrong there in any capacity. It takes me more to a club in uh, Ibiza. No, 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 very much not actually. In London? No, no, in um, uh, Nottinghamshire. Oh, okay. Back home. Um, I have to say, when this song was released, and I mentioned before I didn't actually listen to the album back in the day, but I did know of the singles, I was a big fan of the first two. This one wasn't so much a fan of, and I think it's because it felt a little bit more poppier and, dare I say, cheesier than the previous two. But in listening back to it, big fan of this one because it feels, I'm hearing a lot of, Disco in there. I think I've kind of grown to appreciate disco more within these last 16 years. So I'm hearing a lot of disco, some horns, some great backing vocals. Um, and yeah, huge fan of this one now. Cynthia Horns. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was also the second mashup track. Uh, Nemo, first of all, produced this. They also produced the mashup version, which was uh, I Don't Want to Lose This Groove. So it was Get Into, get into the Groove, uh, Madonna. Matched yes. up with this song as well, which again was great, um, very popular at the time as well. It was a great mashup, and I do. I am a big fan of a mashup. Are you a fan of a mashup? Love a mashup. One of my favourite. I remember buying a CD, and this is a, showing how long ago it was, uh, called Mashed, and it was twelve or fourteen mashups, including. Is it like one of those Ministry of Sound style compilations? Similar, yeah. This, the front cover was um, a food blender with a load of CDs sticking out of it, um, and it had things like. Liberty X's Got to Have Your Love with David Bowie's Let's Dance. Duran Duran's Notorious with Kelly's Trick Me. Um, it had Iggy Pop's The Passenger with Peggy Lee's Fever. Some great stuff. But one of my favourites that wasn't on there was a Muse song with Blondie's Call Me, which is fantastic. Uh, I'm going to be a bit more on brand with our podcast, and I loved a mashup which was Crush by Darren Hayes. Uh, and again, on the same theme, um, it was Holiday uh, by Madonna that oh, was okay. matched up with. Uh, next up is track number 11. Uh, this is Vibe On. Easy actually talking about that one. Uh, I, to draw a veil over that, what did she have in her bag? Um, well, that's what I can't work out. 
I'm sure it was just like a Pritt stick or something. Yes. <laughs> um, it's a quite a sensual number. Yeah, a very saucy one, actually. But I think she can get away with it. Mm. I don't think Kylie would be able to. No. And I'm sure she wouldn't mind us suggesting that. Possibly she would. It almost sort of says... Seems like you're saying she hasn't got a sexual side to her. Is it because she's in her 50s now? No, not at all. I think she's just a bit more of a mature uh, artist. Mm. I would like to talk about... So this, Danny, I'm pleased to say, didn't play a hand in writing this one. For me, it does... She kept her hands clean. (laughs) Yes, quite. Um, And dry. Um, (laughs) She... This was co-written by Savin Harish Kotecha. Now, looking at some of the tracks that he's written with other artists, getting a bit of a theme here. So let me talk you through them. Um, He did um, Bang Bang by Ariana Grande. Sorry, with Jesse J and Nicki Minaj. He did If You See Kami by Britney Spears. Love Me Like You Do by Ellie Goulding. So, and also um, Beautiful in White by Westlife. <laughs> Which probably didn't end up the same way it started. <laughs> but he sounds like quite um, a, a man with a, a one-track mind, maybe. Track 12 now. Uh, this is A Piece of Time. some good electronica in there yeah I mean this album is full of it isn't it the more I listen to this album and the more we talk about it the more I think it's a shame that she didn't do much else really after this there was the club disco album wasn't there uh, and lots of sort of m- more hardcore dance songs with other people yeah but I think it's a shame that she hasn't done another studio album of this quality ilk Yes. You would say. It's ilk. I love almost an 8-bit sound running through that song, which I just adore. But what I would like to touch upon, if you don't mind, talking about a piece of time, I want to go back to 10 years ago, and or thereabouts, and sort of a bit more detail of when Danny was a judge on The X Factor. Because I think, in a lot of people's minds, and actually for some it's more of a in-hindsight thing, she was one of the best judges that X Factor has had. She was, but I think it got overshadowed by... A lot of things, unfortunately. I mean, yeah, because she was there with Sharon and they had their rows. She was there with Cheryl and there was... And they what, had their rows. They had their rows. She was there when Jamiroquai performed. Um, and we've mentioned that before on the podcast. Brilliant yeah. moment when um, he had slagged Danny and Cheryl off in the week running up to the show. So they talked all the way through his performance. Yes, and rightfully so. Yeah, and good and, for them. And let's not forget that the amount of hairstyle she did with such a short amount of hair was uh, very respectable. Is she one of those dolls when you just keep, you pull it out and it just keeps on coming out? Yes. Well, don't try that if you ever do meet her. But I would like to see her coming back. I mean, X Factor this year, uh, it's been revealed that it's going to be a bit different. There's no auditions. It's going to be some sort of celebrity version and then a sort of Champion of Champions series towards the end of the year. Um, and I've gone so off anything like that now that I don't think I'd even watch it if Danny Moon came back. Really? Yeah. Track 13 now. Uh, This is Who Do You Love Now?
and I guess a really full-on club track there. Definitely feels more even sort of European club than anything else on this album. And probably, you know, the reason for that is because it was released as a single before this album, wasn't it? So it's that's why it's not doesn't flow. Yeah, so to be honest, it feels a little bit... Out. I like it, but it feels a bit out of place in this collection of songs. Yeah, definitely. But again, don't want to take away from the fact that I remember when this was released, it kind of felt a little bit like, oh, oh, Dynamo Nose Back. It came a bit out of nowhere from what I remember. And obviously put the needle on it, felt like the true, well it was, the true lead single off the album, the dawn of a new era, her setting her stall out for a, for a new era, era as well. Yeah, yeah, this was by, uh, well, it was Reva featuring Danny Monet, wasn't it? Yes. Reva and Danny Monet, perhaps. Dutch. And I have to say, I haven't been aware of anything they've done since. Uh, the song, it got to number three actually, so it was a big hit. Yes. And I do, I do remember this, so this was 2001 this came out. Uh, so God, goodness me, the song's almost getting up to twenty years old. But I do remember it coming out towards the end of the year. There must have been lots of um, sort of Christmas parties or nights out or things at the time that I was going to, and this song was playing. No, lots of people having it large to this. Song. Well, quite or medium. Not I. No, you were having it small. Yes. <laughs> we're on to the last track of the album now, and this is it. Won't work out. It won't work out it won't work out the last track there a low key finish it is I almost feel I don't know how you feel about this I almost feel like it would have been better to have that after a piece of time and then maybe pop Who'd You Love Now on at the end if they really had to put it on the album put that at the end as sort of a bonus track which would probably have been a nicer way to end yeah it just feels like that ordering just feels a bit off to me I have to say, the track itself is, is nice. It's nice to hear a different tempo because throughout the rest of the album, there's as we said before, the tracks are very individual, but there's a very similar theme uh, and sound going throughout them all. But it's, it's an enjoyable song. It's a it nice way an enjoyable to finish song. It. It's nice to wind it down. Yes, yeah, very nice. But I think there are there's a deluxe version of this album out there which is slightly rejig track listing and more extra tracks on there. Um, and I think a lot of Danny's there's the Hits and Beyond, which was another album which was of greatest hits plus other tracks as well. Uh, and then there's Club Disco as well, which was a, it's a quite a mix mish, mishmash, isn't there? Mm. And there was an acoustic version of this track, wasn't there, on one of the deluxe editions? There was on the deluxe edition. This track is acoustic, which you almost kind of. I think Danny's one of the uh, Danny, as I call her, one of the artists that I wouldn't imagine her doing an acoustic version. L- the majority of her stuff is kind of upbeat and got a bit of a dance edge to it. So that's it. That's the end of Neon Nights. Uh, for further listening, Dan, what are we going for? So the criteria is anything from Neon Nights onwards, because who knows, we might come back to look at some of Danny's earlier stuff, particularly as we love to celebrate. Xenomania's back catalogue um, not to give anything away to which album we would be looking at <laughs> <laughs> it would be Girl it would be Girl wouldn't it so for mine I'm going to stick actually around this time of Neon Nights and f- 
last year when it turned 15 there was a re-release it's on vinyl as well which is great and there's a track on there which wasn't on the album it's called goodbye song love that i do love that one um great attitude to it yeah real strength i think it's great i think i can see why it wasn't included in the album it has got a little bit of a harder edge to it uh which is in no doubt in part due to the production from thriller jill but yeah it certainly does feel like uh, not got quite that kind of smooth dance sort of new soul thing going on that the rest of the album has Either way, they're a fantastic song. And this one was an Ian Masterson and Terry Ronald co-write. So two uh, two of the greats together there, one of which we're going to learn a little bit more about later, I think. Will, what's your further listening choice? So I have jumped ahead to... Um, and it depends on where you're looking at it, but it's either on The Hits and Beyond or Club Disco... Very murky waters there, isn't it? It, there's, it isn't there. Um, and it was a track... And I think at first... And this was definitely after the Neon Knights period. It is called Love Fight. Tell the neighbours go... was Love Fight. Dan, what do you think? Uh, I really enjoyed it. It didn't go where I thought it was going to go. When it started out, it's got that kind of very um, very rigid, repetitive synth work going on. And then it became a little bit more melodic than I thought it was going to be. Very playful as well with the lyrics. Um, some might say it's a bit over the top. But well. I like that. I like the energy that's in it. Again, great attitude to it. So this wasn't a single then? This wasn't a single. Some of the best tracks are hidden away. Some of the best gems. It was the Beyond part of the Hits and Beyond collection. Yes. Like Bed Bath and Beyond. <laughs> Don't get the reference. Uh, the family guy talk about it sometimes. <laughs> that's all I know about it. So that's the end of our time with Danny. Uh, I really enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's, again, as I said before, it's one of those albums that I hadn't actually listened to before the conference call to, to talk about this episode so uh, thank you for putting that on our list well, thank you for participating well I, I do every week um, I'd love to know what everyone else thinks about Danny Minogue's back catalogue yes definitely please let us know at Move to Trash UK hashtag track by track uh, let us know in the comments as well on Apple Podcasts where you can subscribe and you can find us on all sorts of other streaming services as well um, and Dan can you give us a little bit of a hint and a tease as to what's coming up next week certainly so can you believe Will We've been doing this for six months now. No, I can't believe it. Half a year. It feels like longer. <laughs> Maybe it is, very slightly. <laughs> um, it's been six months since we launched Track by Track, so next week's is a very special episode. It's a band we've talked about before, 
it's a band that we talked about quite a lot and it's 10 years since they released a particular album to say anything more would be to give it away if between now and then you're hungry for some more podcast do check out Torn Stubbs which is the trash movie podcast with Robert and Joshua um, they've just started series 2 quite recently and you can find that on movetotrash.co.uk so if you enjoy sassy comments and well read opinions that's the place to be for films so until next time I've been Kylie Minogue and I've been Ian Masterson goodbye goodbye <laughs>